Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominique Demister. So, folks, we have three weeks in the book, our books already in our NFL season. We got some surprising teams that have faltered. We got some surprising teams that are 3-0. and And, uh, yeah, we had this past weekend some crazy games, some high-scoring games, some upsets. And uh, it was a crazy, crazy week in the NFL, Dominic, to say the least. I feel like I've said that for the third straight week. But, you know, if you've watched football this past weekend, you know it was a crazy week. First of all, Dom, how are you doing? And let me know how pumped you are to do the show. I'm doing amazing, William. I'm so pumped to talk about Upset Central, baby. Week three was full of them. Let's get it started. All right, Dom. I'll throw it over to you, Dom. So week three, we had, like we talked about, a lot of upsets, some high-scoring games, and a few uh, a few surprises and head-scratchers. Let's, uh, let's jump into a game of your choice first. I'm going to start... Houston versus Jacksonville. Yes. Wow. The Houston Texans, you know, divisional game. They were heavy underdogs. We were both confused what was going on. Yeah. And the Houston Texans take this victory 37-17. How about CJ Strout? This guy is starting to impress me. I think Jacksonville was thinking that Houston was going to run, but no, CJ Stroud delivered 20 for 30, 280 yards, two TDs. And how about this little rookie that no one really saw coming too much? Tank Dell, back to back games, five receptions, 145 yards, one TD. Hey, man, Houston, you got yourself a quarterback. I'm impressed. And as for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you know, Trevor Lawrence, his only problem is he just can't stay consistent in the NFL. This is another one of those weird ones. He didn't play too bad. 27 for 40, 279 yards, one TD, one pick. But I just want to see this guy more consistent. I want to see also whatever happened to Calvin Ridley's big game in week one. We haven't seen it since then. Let's give Jacksonville a pass. They probably will bounce back. It's week three, you know. Let's see what they do in week four. But congratulations to the Houston Texans. Yeah, this was a head scratcher, uh, you know, to say the least. I, a few people I actually had in my work. We have a, a survivor pool, and uh, quite a few of them ended up picking Jacksonville in uh, in what was so supposed to be a sure game. This like there's two ways to look at this game. Obviously, you can look at it from Houston's point of view. You can look at it from Jackson's point of view, Jacksonville's point of view. I'm happy with what you said. CJ Stroud looked good, and you know, kind of waiting for him to. I had to have that, uh, you know, breakout game. Like, it's only week three. And uh, like I said in the beginning of the season, I felt that the rookie quarterbacks, the, the game just seemed to be a little bit too quick for them. But in this game, it really did not seem to be the case. Houston was up 17 nothing at halftime. And look, I'll, I'll pose you this question, Dominic. I, I'm going to I'll answer it before throwing it over to you. But, like, is this more impressive for Houston or worrisome for Jacksonville? And for me, I'm, I'm worried, more worried for Jacksonville after this performance. Because, look, Houston, it was a great win. Like you said, they put up 37 points, tanked Dell who I had on my fantasy uh, fantasy bench, unfortunately, uh, produced. And he seemed to have a good connection with CJ Stroud. And they also had a good connection in preseason. But if you're Jacksonville, Dominic, and you pride yourself on you know, being the kings of the AFC South, uh, Trevor Lawrence has had a you know a, a peak in his career. The, the more games he plays, the better he just seems to be able to, to perform and read defenses and have control of the offense. How do you how do you lose a game like this, not only to your division rivals, but you know, a team who you gotta think is the bottom and five in the NFL right now that looked terrible in their first two weeks. You know, if you're Jacksonville, you 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 have a you have to go honestly almost back to the drawing board at this point because nothing seemed to work in this game. This game was never close, right? You know, if it was close, like you know, you could say the K divisional game. You know, if the team's going to pay play the other team a little bit tighter, it comes down to a field goal. Okay, but Lawrence just looked lost in this offense. There's just seemed nothing to go right from start to finish in this game. And for me, it's an impressive win for Houston, but I'm more worried for Jacksonville than I am impressed for the Houston Texans in this game. Listen, it's still week three. I'm not going to jump the gun and throw Jacksonville under the bus. But this is not surprising to me whatsoever for Trevor Lawrence not to be a consistent quarterback. I have a feeling this is what we're going to see throughout his entire career. Unless he gets on a huge winning streak, maybe ends up winning a Super Bowl. He just seems to, you know, lack that overall picture for for a quarterback to thrive and to develop there's missing something in trevor lawrence game i don't know if it's with how he prepares but there's missing something in his game it's just 
It's never consistent. So that said, let's give a pass. You know, it's week three, but let's talk about the Houston Texans. I think CJ Stroud, you know, it was very hard to evaluate who was going to be the best quarterback out of this class. And right now, out of the gate, I have to tip my hat to CJ Stroud. I've loved the spiral from the very get-go. I was confused as to whether or not his ball was going to be floating too much in the NFL. Was it going to be a lot of interceptions? That was the knock on CJ Stroud for me. But he is delivering. And I, it obviously helps when you have a, a coach that really is giving him the full reign of this offense. They're not really running the ball right now in Houston, which is probably surprising a lot of people, but it's all CJ Stroud. And I think that he has a lot of weapons like Tank Dell that he has this kind of like rapport with off the bat. And that's very important for a young QB's confidence. So that to me is a bigger shocker out of both of them is CJ Stroud elevating his game, kind of reminding me a bit of Herbert when he started with hmm. the Chargers. It's a good comparison, Don, because like I think like something that you said perfectly there was that he has command of this offense. And you know, for a quarterback, you have to like for me, the number one thing is just you can throw a beautiful ball, you can make great reads, you can be athletic, and you can be able to gun the ball, you know, 50, 60 yards on the field. But if you don't have control of the offense and you know you're letting the the play calls get to your head and the wide receivers, you know, kind of intimidate you because you're a rookie, that's when you're in trouble. But I feel like he had great command of this offense in this game. So shout out to Houston. And yeah, curious to see how they're gonna uh if they're able to sustain this because I was was a very good performance against what we thought was a good Jacksonville team. You know what game I'm going to talk about next, Dominic. I had the pleasure of being in Miami on Sunday to see the Dolphins score 70 points. Yes, 70-0 against the Denver Broncos. Um, this game smashed a lot of records. Obviously, it smashed the records for Dolphins points in the game franchise record. It was the most uh, yards in a game in NFL history, which was, you know, pretty incredible. And Miami decided to take a knee at the end of the game and not kick the field goal, which would have broken the record of 72 points in the game being at NFL high. And let me just say, being at the game, we were all screaming three more points, three more points. And McDaniel made the right decision. He took a knee. And I think that that's why, you know, as a fan and the players, I feel like we respect McDaniel so much. Look, it would have been great getting the record, you know, but you have 70 points. Obviously, the game is in the bag. And you know what? It would it have been cool to say, like, yes, we were able to witness the 73-point game, the most in NFL history. Of course, it would have been. But, I'm, you know, I'm proud of him, and he made a, a classy move there. But just talk about the game itself. It was really like watching a video game on turf. It was every single time Miami touched the ball, you thought it was going to go for a touchdown. They started off with the, the touchdown to Tyree Kill. Moster looked unstoppable. He just he, He's so hard to take down. And Acne, uh, sorry, the A-Chain, I was super impressed with him in this one. I I kind of thought that he was going to fit the Dolphin system because of his speed, and he really had the ability in this game to take over. Uh, Salvin Ahmed didn't play in this game, so A-Chain became that, that uh, RB2, and he showed that he could be very well capable of being RB1. It was... Honestly, it was like watching a movie. I don't know how else to describe it. It was an incredible game. It was the home opener. I'm just super, super blessed to have been a part of that. And shout out to all my boys that, that made the trip happen. But I don't think I'd ever be able to talk this in any other game I go to. It was like living a dream. And Miami looked good. And the one thing that really impressed me above all else is Tua had time to throw. And this O-line's been shaky for the last few years. I can't remember the last time they had a consistent O-line. And if you look at that very first touchdown, Tua had all day to throw. He threw a dart to Tyreek. Tyreek did the rest. The rest is history. Four touchdowns for Moster and Achin in this one. I could talk about this game for the rest of the show. It was an absolute treat, and I'm on, uh, I'm on cloud nine as Dolphins fan for sure. Well, absolutely. What a beautiful game to witness. 70 to 20, folks. This is one of those where you can tell your kids about you saw a game yeah. in the NFL that was, you know, 70 to 20. That's quite special. But Overall, this game, I think Denver quit. I, there's no way, yes. there's no way that a team drops 70 without the other team just absolutely quitting. And I think that's what happened at some point in mm -hmm. the third quarter. They were like, just end the game already. Just, you know, end it. And you know, I, I honestly do believe that we're gonna see probably a bounce back by the Denver Broncos. I truly think that this is kind of like a wake-up call. Listen, you got smacked in the face. How do you respond? They're playing the Bears this week. Yeah. Let's wait for our picks. But I'll tell you something. The Denver Broncos should be heavily involved in that football game from beginning to end. And I think the beginning of Sean Payton's career in Denver is about to turn on a dime. In other words, 
we have two sides to Sean Payton. You got the politically correct Sean Payton, and you got the get out of my face Sean Payton. And at this point, the Denver Broncos need the get out of my face Sean Payton. He's mm. about to cut his roster down to size. He will analyze what player is there to play on a weekly basis. And this Denver Broncos, in my opinion, will be moving forward in the right direction. As for the Miami Dolphins, it's all about tempo, baby. If they keep that tempo up, boy, they will win a lot of football games this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to jump on what you said about Denver, there was a few, obviously, uh, Denver Broncos fans at the game, and it was basically they had the similar mindset to what you said. Like, this team just they threw in the white towel, right? right? And it was like kind of like too little, too late to make a comeback. And it was sad to see. You know, you never want to see guys getting paid millions of dollars perform the way these guys did because it's not as if this team is not talented. They are, right? When you have guys like Sutton, Judy, running back like Javante Williams, and Russell Wilson, who, yeah, he's, he stunk last season and hasn't looked great this season, but we know how talented he is. It was, you know, it was sad to see because at, at in the first half this was somewhat of a game and then just completely blew open in the third quarter so that was tough to see hopefully like you said they could rebound against uh chicago but yes for miami a big big game and i think that you could not have asked for a better time for miami to play buffalo um this upcoming weekend the game is going to be in buffalo for for once miami won't have to travel to uh to to buffalo in the winter time it'll be a, a sunny game hopefully for uh for dolphins fans and uh yeah like you said you know the, the tempo having you being in rhythm and right now this offense just looks in Tua had more touchdown passes than incompletions in this game. They just have this such smooth attack that where they they hurry up and they know what where they got to be where they got to you know at certain times and Tua's just read the field beautifully if his deep ball's not there he checks down and I think that he showed a lot of patience in this game so hopefully they're able to bring that into Buffalo. All right let's move on to another game Dom there was a lot of great games this weekend. What happened to the Baltimore Ravens against the Indianapolis Colts? Who would have thought that the Colts, actually, William, you did say this could be a trap game, and a trap game it was. The Colts take it 22-19. to 19. You know, when you got a good backup quarterback, you can win on any given Sunday. And the Indianapolis Colts have Gardner Minshew going 27 for 44. One TD was just good enough to win this football game. And what a pleasant surprise Zach Moss has turned out to be for the Indianapolis Colts. Who needs Taylor at this point? You know, <laughs> Zach Moss is really doing what needs to be done, running for 30 carries, 122 yards. That's how you do it against the Ravens. You turn the clock, you keep that offense off the field, and you win the football game. Granted, we saw a few missed field goals by the Ravens, which is kind of like a bit of a shocker. You know, yeah. never see uh, Justin Tucker miss one. Granted, I'll, I'll give him a pass. It was an over 60-yarder, but uh, Justin Tucker usually is an automatic football kicker. So that's one of the big reasons why this lost this football game. And the other reason, what were all these fourth down calls? I'm sick and tired to see coaches being obsessed now because it's now fashionably okay to go on fourth downs. I, in the middle of your field, maybe you kind of, you can go, but now we're seeing it sometimes in their twenty on the on their own 20. Yeah. It didn't happen in this football game. It was, it was more in the, in the middle of the football field, but still I would punt the ball a lot more. You know, the Ravens lost this football game. Is it going to become, you know, one of those games that they'll scratch their heads over? Probably not, but they still should have had it in my personal opinion. But the Colts take it 22 to 19. Well, let me tell you something, Dominic. When you got a, a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, who is free-spirited, I'm going to go out there, throw this football, and whatever happens, happens. Sometimes that pays off, right? When you have guys that play, like they have nothing to lose, it pays off. He kind of reminds me of, of a Taylor Heineke type guy where he's a, he, he's good to get down and dirty. He doesn't care if he gets hit. He doesn't care if he throws picks. He's just he's a boxer, and he's going to go in there, and he's going to swing, and he's going to miss a lot of times and get knocked the heck out. But a lot of times, he's going to connect. And look, in this game... He didn't look uh, sexy out there or anything. 27 of 44 getting sacked five times, but he didn't throw a pick and he threw a touchdown and he did exactly what this team needed from him in this game. And I think that was important for them. And uh, look, now we're going to see what happens with Anthony Richardson when he's going to be back. So they wait a tad bit longer, knowing that they have a solid backup in Gardner Minshew. That would be the question. But for Baltimore, I think this was a great loss for them. And what I mean by that is I don't think this team was actually a contender like everybody thought they were before this game. Uh, you know, I think this is a wild card 
wildcard team, a team that could potentially win the division because Bengals haven't looked good this year. But I don't think this team was as good as people thought. And I don't think the Ravens were as good as the Ravens thought they were. So I think this is a very good wake-up call. Week three, losing to a team that you should beat no matter where you play, especially when you're playing at home and you have everybody healthy and you're playing a backup quarterback. This was a good loss for the Ravens in the sense that I think they needed this early on in the year. It was a disappointing one, don't get me wrong. They should have won this game, but they need to use this as a wake-up call because I don't think that they're as good like I said, as as the media is painting them out to be. So look, Lamar Jackson will have to learn from this game. He's getting sacked four times, not throwing for a touchdown pass. He did rush for two, which is great, but you're you got to be able to find the end zone and find your receivers in the end zone if you want to be some world contenders. So but Baltimore, use it as a learning experience better now than in week one of the playoffs. So, Dom, a game I want to talk about this week that I had a feeling was going to be a good one between two winless teams, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings. The Chargers eke out a 28-24 victory. And game ball in this one goes to Keenan Allen, who had 18 catches, 215 yards, and as if that wasn't enough, threw a 49-yard touchdown pass. It was pretty incredible because in this game, uh, I had I started Keenan Allen, which I was very happy about. And just in front of me, the Dolphins game, there was two Broncos fans, a uh, very nice couple. I doubt they're listening, but if you are, thanks for tuning in. But yes, both of them uh, had were in different leagues, and they both started Keenan Allen. So I heard them over talking, and anyways, I was super pumped that I, that I heard the news. But I'm super happy in this one for Keenan Allen because. I think that we we forget how good Keenan Allen is. And I know that we said, yes, he has injury concerns. Yes, he's gotten up there in age. And look, have the Chargers done what we expected them to do? No, they've Chargered. The Chargers have Chargered, right? They found ways to lose games this year that only the Los Angeles Chargers could find ways to lose. And this is a breath of fresh air to a team that almost, almost found another new way to lose with one of their receivers having 215 yards. That would have been incredible. But they go into Minnesota, Dom. They get their first victory of the season, and Minnesota falls to 0-3. There's so many storylines in this game. I didn't even get to the fact that, unfortunately, uh, Williams, Mike Williams, uh, tore, tore his ACL, and he's done for the year. He just can't stay healthy, and it's a, such a sad, sad part of, part of football. But it's at this point, it's... It's sad, but it's almost to be expected with him. He just cannot stay healthy. And, you know, thoughts and prayers to him. And I know it must be tough for him. And I, I just don't know how long his, his body is going to be able to take this because it's just unfortunately been a reoccurring theme for him. Uh, so that was the unfortunate incident in this game. But Herbert going 40 of 47, 404 yards, three touchdowns. Like, I didn't see too much of this game. But, man, this was an incredible game. And I, I can't wait to, to watch the full highlights later on. Yeah, this was a great football game for sure. I think both teams showed up to win it. But we talked about dumb, bizarre calls at the top of the show. Brandon Steely again goes for a dumb fourth down. This time gets stuffed. And we were talking about whether it was in the mid midfield or within his own, like, what, 25-yard line? This was one of them. This was one of them where they're about the at the 30-yard line, give or take, and they go for it on a fourth and one, gets stuffed. Minnesota, unfortunately, couldn't find a way. They start a drive, which looks really good, and then suddenly they don't have any timeouts, and Cousin gets a bit confused. What's the next play call? Ends up rushing it and throws a pick, and that's how the Chargers took it in the end, 28-24. to 24. Just two bad coaching situations here with the Chargers with O'Connell in Minnesota. Man, there's talent on this football team, but there's a reason why they're 0-2, or at least now 0-3 and now 1-2. I think coaching is the big problem for both these franchises, and they're lucky they have decent quarterbacks to kind of like masquerade over those horrible coaching calls that we're seeing. So at the end of the day, the Chargers took it. They deserved it. But I'm kind of concerned in the running game. You know, you can pass it 47 times, Herbert. But let's see a bit more running game in Los Angeles. And as for the Minnesota Vikings, I don't know. I really don't know about the Vikings. I don't know whether or not this year you could already throw it in the tank. Or I just don't know. The Vikings are an enigma to me. It's all on Kirk Cousins' shoulders. And that, to me, is not going to be good enough for them to make the playoffs so far. So good luck, Minnesota. But so far, it does not look good. Well, that's the thing, Dom, is yes, there was two poor coaches in this game. And regardless of what you think of Staley, Staley and the fact that he goes for it on fourth down, yada, yada, yada. I think that like this, that was really, you know, putting your money where your mouth was. And that's really his MO is, is to go for it in those situations. And, and it didn't pay off. And O'Connell, you know, hasn't been great and hasn't been what they'd hoped it to be. But 
I'm just not sure we could call Kirk Cousins a, a good quarterback anymore. And I know statistically he gets the job done. In this game, 367 yards, 32 completions, three touchdowns. That's a good game. And maybe it's me being hard on him. You know, Kirk Cousins has to be uh, like the biggest anomaly in, in all the NFL. Is he good? Is he not good? We have the QB uh, QB quarterback show on him on Netflix. I don't think anybody can figure this out because I think if you ask one person, he's going to say he's incredibly underrated and he's a very good football player. And then you ask some, another fan and they're going to say he's, he's overrated. He gets paid too much money. He can't win the big game. And I think the way I look at it is the latter. I just don't think I, I can trust Kirk Cousins in a game like this. And we've seen it too many times with him and this Minnesota team. There's no way this team should be 0-3. And yes, Dominic, you're right. McConnell hasn't been the, the best of coaches. But I think even if my grandmother's coaching this team, there's no excuses whatsoever for this team to have zero wins at this point in the season. They go, they lose to Tampa Bay in their first game of the season in Minnesota. That's inexcusable. And I don't care who's coaching that game. If you're Kirk Cousins, you have to find a way to win those games and look i'm not sure at this point if we can continue to make excuses for kirk cousins i've never been a big kirk cousins guy and you know i'm not going to throw in the towel on him because i didn't never really had a towel to throw but i I just like yes the coaching is a bit of an issue but i think cousins is going to have to find a way eventually to you know show that he deserves the money he's getting a and to show he could go out there and beat a good team and and you know show that they're the favorites in this division because right now for me they were the favorites or I should say in preseason they were the favorites to win the division in my eyes and now you're looking at Green Bay with a young quarterback that looks like they're going to be the favorites and who's to say that Chicago Bears can't do better than Minnesota at this point I know the Bears have looked awful but right now they're both sitting at 0-3 which to me doesn't make any sense Dominic oh no William it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that NFC North I think you could basically chuck some dice on the ground and hopefully (laughs) It flips on your team and you end up winning. But at the end of the day, it's a crapshoot is what I'm saying in the NFC North. Even at 0-3 for the Bears, I'm still not counting them out. Even at 0-3 for the Vikings, I'm still not counting them out. The Packers and the Lions, to me, have both some red flags. Now is the time to turn it around for the Bears and the Vikings. Hopefully they they can do that in week four. But so far, I agree with you. It's very confusing in the NFC North. And so far, I'm just not going to throw the Vikings or the Bears in the garbage until I see what happens at least till week five. Let's see if they could put a couple victories together uh, before that time. All right, fair enough. We're only, like we said, three weeks into the season. We'll give them a bit of a grace period. All right, Dominic, uh, throw it over to you. What game you want to talk about next? Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, Pittsburgh bounces back. Well, bounces back. I've been saying that the Steelers needed to have one of those games, and I think this one at least is a step in the right direction. They take the game 23-18 to against the Raiders. Kenny Pickett goes 16 for 28. Not a lot of yardage, but no picks. That's the important thing. Two touchdowns. And they got little Calvin Austin Coming out of the woodwork, two receptions for 72 yards, but a big bomb it was for that 72 yards that he got. And that was pretty much what galvanized the Steelers. That defense is playing lights out football. They really got to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy G, you know, this guy seems to be always injured for whatever reason. I think we will see eventually a new quarterback in Vegas sometime within the next couple of weeks because the way that he's playing, you know, 28 for 44 two touchdowns, but those three picks, you just can't have that if you're going to be successful with the Las Vegas Raiders. Devontae Adams kind of like throwing his entire team under the bus. That I didn't like as well. You know, he kind of like said to himself, yeah, you showed up in this game because you were the entire offense, 13 receptions, 172 yards and two TDs, but I just don't like the ego. Devontae Adams, bring it down a bit. You know, I know you're own, you're one and two, and you're kind of like, you know, feeling it, but at the end of the day, you got to find some kind of a camaraderie to, to wrap yourself around and not be so egotistic. That's how I saw Devontae Adams. For all you know, he might get traded before the trade deadline. That would not surprise me as well. But in this game, the Steelers take it 23 to 18. 225 left on the clock. I think you know where I'm going with this, Dominic. Fourth and four at Pittsburgh's eight-yard line. The Raiders are down by eight. There's 225 to go in the fourth quarter. Let me repeat myself. They are down by eight points. What does Josh McDaniel decide to do? He goes out there and he kicks a field goal. 
I cannot tell you how infuriating, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but infuriating this is to me. There's not, I'm not going to lie. There's not much that gets me upset to the point where I, I show my frustration. There's being conservative and then there's being idiotic. Josh's, Josh McDaniel's decision to kick a field goal in this situation was idiotic. You need a touchdown. A one, a one field goal puts you within five points. Not three, not two, not one. It doesn't tie the game. You're still down by five points. You still need a touchdown. It's four yards. If you don't trust your quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, to get four freaking yards after you got him in the offseason, paid him all that money, then you shouldn't have got him in the first place. If you're hoping your defense is going to go out there and get you a scoop and score and pick off Kenny Pickett, then maybe you shouldn't have went out there and got Jimmy G as your quarterback. I don't understand this. I've never understood this, and I never will understand this. If you're a head coach in football, NFL is an offensive game, and I get that. I get that the Raiders defense was playing fairly well. I get Pittsburgh Steelers offense is not the sexiest in the NFL. But like I said, you go out there, you get Jimmy G, you kick a field goal when you need four yards. If I was a Raiders fan, this is all I'd be talking about on the show. I don't understand it, Dominic, and I never will understand it. And this gets me so, so frustrated. And I'm taking away everything from the game. I'm only talking about this one decision. But it was a great game. It was a fun game. TJ Watt is incredible. Maybe the best... Pittsburgh Steeler of all time. And I know that's saying a lot. Obviously, I'm adding a little bit of juice to this. But if, if you're Josh McDaniels, I honestly, honestly think that after a performance like that and a decision like that, you deserve to be fired. You get Jimmy G in, in the offseason. It's obviously don't believe in him, right? If you, if you don't believe in him in the first place, then why are you going out and getting him? And look, I get it. Like, look, you're, you're, you're feeding out the game. Pittsburgh defense was playing well. When do you think you're going to get the ball back in a situation like that and have enough time to get a touchdown? Yes, you have three timeouts. Yes, you have the two-minute warning. But like I said, if this puts him within three, maybe that's another story. It's still the wrong decision, and no doubt about it. But let's just say that the field goal brings them within a field goal or less. Okay, maybe I understand a little bit more, but you still need a touchdown. I was, my, I swear to you, my mouth dropped when I saw this. It, this infuriates me. And look, I could talk about this for the rest of the show. I don't get it, Dominic. Maybe you get a little bit more. I'm a little bit more not conservative than you. You're kind of a little bit more old school. Kick the field goal, take the points. But there is nobody, nobody I spoke to over the course of the last few days that understood the decision Josh McDaniels did. And forget it, even if you have an eighth string quarterback taking reps for you, you go ahead and you put your, you go for it on fourth and four and you put your money where your mouth is. They get Jimmy G in the offseason. To me, it's completely ironic what this team is doing. If I'm a Raiders fan, I'm pissed and I'm still going to be furious for that decision, even when the Super Bowl rolls around this year where the Raiders will not be playing in front of their home crowd. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think you couldn't have said it any better. We've been <laughs> talking about Josh McDaniels and his horrible coaching in Denver before being a coach with the Raiders. He just he doesn't have it as a head coach. And in this situation, it was so obvious that you have to go for it. I don't get it. It's like he did the complete opposite what everyone else is doing in the NFL, which is to go on fourth down. But where he was situated, there was it was a no-brainer to go for it. But no, he, you know, he played it old school, like you said, and he yeah. went for the field goal with the hopes, you know, of having that big stop. If he had an amazing quarterback, I would say, okay, maybe, but it's Jimmy G for crying out loud. No, that was a horrible decision, one that it will eventually maybe haunt the Raiders if they were to do some kind of push because this was a victory that could have happened for the Raiders and they let it slip out of their hands. Congratulations for the Steelers though. They take a 23-18 and they move on with a W for next week. Yeah, so I only talked about McDaniels there. I'm got me sweating here. I'm so annoyed about him. But yes, that was a, a great and Dominic, the Pittsburgh Steelers with all their struggles, they're two and one. Yeah, you know, the Steelers are 2-1, and one, slowly but surely trying to find their identity. You know, Kenny Pickett slowly but surely maturing as a quarterback. This will be a process for the Steelers. You know, they lost Deontay Johnson. Unfortunately, that was a big piece to the Steelers' offense. And I know you're supposed to have depth in the NFL, but the Steelers, unfortunately, negated the wide receivers. And now, unfortunately, they have to rely on Calvin Austin, which did deliver in this game, but... He didn't deliver enough, in my personal opinion. I did like the bomb, but I want to see more out of Calvin Austin in order to help Kenny Pickett develop. 
All righty, let's move on. Great take there, Dom. The Dallas Cowboys lose to the Arizona Cardinals 28 to 16 in this one. Um, I got to give you a little bit or a little bit more than a little bit. Some credit on Joshua Dobbs on because he looked good in this game. 17 of 21, 189 yards. He didn't really need to do all that much because the Dallas Cowboys really shot themselves in the foot in this game uh penalties turnovers weird plays not you know moving the ball down the field and not being able to convert on fourth not being able to convert when they got to the red zone and you talk about a team that people were talking about potentially Super Bowl or bust, and the Cowboys go out and lose to the Arizona Cardinals, who preseason were the worst team in football. I don't know how this game happened. You know, I think that last week I said it could be potentially closer than people think, but I did not expect Arizona to go out there and, and you know, to, to put up a fight and to go out and win the game nonetheless. This was a shocker and one of the many shockers on the weekend. Arizona takes down the Cowboys 28 to 16. Yeah, Arizona with Jonathan Gannon. He's been in every single football game this year. And I have to give credit, not just to Joshua Dobbs, but to James Conner. James Conner, baby, 14 carries, 98 yards, and a TD. This guy averaged seven yards a carry. This dude should have stayed in Pittsburgh. And for whatever reason, you know, it was just his time to move on to elsewhere. He ended up in Arizona and he is the offense in Arizona. Without James Conner, I don't think Joshua Dobbs would be as successful. But, you know, they were in Arizona and Dallas, you know, Dak Prescott, kind of like another one of those quarterbacks who's just not consistent. And unfortunately for Dak, I've never been a fan. I thought this year maybe this was going to be his last opportunity. And I'm telling you, fans out there, this probably will be Dak's last opportunity. Because at the end of the day, you can't lose to Arizona. You just can't. I am not buying it. I don't care how much I could sell the Arizona Cardinals to you. I don't care if they're at home. You're the Dallas Frigging Cowboys with one of the best D in the NFL. Dak Prescott, it wasn't the D. It was you, buddy. You unfortunately went 25 for 40, one TD and one pick. That's just not going to cut it in the NFL. I blame Dak. That's the reason why they lost this game. You know, Mike McCarthy, yeah, a couple of questionable calls here and there. But at the end of the day, it's the execution of Dak Prescott not being consistent, which caused the loss in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, it, like, look, it's you can't, you can't be. Um, I don't want to say hesitant, but you can't be like not a guy that's gonna control this offense and you know not look the part. And he just didn't seem to look the part in this game. And like I said, they were able to drive the football down the field, which is great, but you got to punch it in. And like, there's, I think you said it perfectly, Dom. You can't be the Dallas Cowboys. You can't be two and zero, and you know, be a top five team in the NFL, and you know, top three according to some, and even some had them as the best team in football uh, prior to this week, and go out there and find a way to lose this Arizona Cardinals team. It, it's a surprising look, and this is a nice win, a sweet win for Arizona. Good, good thing for Josh Dobbs, and we'll see what they're able to do uh, from there. Maybe they could, you know, surprise some people. And do you know make a make a late push? They're playing the 49ers this weekend where they're massive underdogs. If they win that game, then I think we'll be talking a lot more about this Arizona Cardinals team, which had an impressive in this win this week. But yeah, Dallas, you're gonna have to find a way to rebound because this was a very poor performance uh from them and a, and a very surprising one uh at uh you know at the same time. All right, let's go to uh to our next game. We got a, a few games I want to talk about here. Let's go with the comeback now. We got the New Orleans Saints, the Green Bay Packers. Funny enough, the Saints were actually up 17 to zip in this game at halftime. And uh, I was waiting in, in line to buy a, a Tyreek Hill t-shirt. And I was speaking to a Green Bay Packers fan. And I said, oh, the Packers had a tough game today. And she said, we came back and won. And I said, what? I couldn't believe it. It was 17 zip. I just assumed they lost. They came back. They won the game 18 to 17. And, you know, Jordan Love rallied these guys late in the game, put the team on his uh, on his back and they had a, a great drive there and yeah the Saints could have been sitting at 3-0 but the Packers come back down 17 to zip a few comebacks already we've seen this year and you know they weren't down in the first quarter they were down heading into the third quarter which makes it even more that more impressive but yeah tough loss for the Saints and a good win for Green Bay as they improved to 2-1 yeah, big game for Green Bay, but that was New Orleans to have. They missed the field goal. It was just a sad thing to see. However, Derek Carr did get banged up 
in this football game. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he plays this week. Jameis Winston, you know, he was not doing well at all in terms of converting on fourth down or third down. He just wasn't doing it, but he still found a way to set him up for a field goal. They just weren't able to convert. And that's how the Green Bay Packers ended up winning this game. You know, Jordan Love had uh, really not the greatest game. I know his yardage are 259, but he went 22 for 44 for 259 yards, one TD and one pick. I don't know. Jordan Love probably is a 50-50 quarterback. Sometimes you'll like him. Sometimes you don't. Uh, against the Saints, that Saints D definitely exposed them, in my opinion. And that's why they were winning 17-0. However, Green Bay did find a way in the fourth quarter to get a couple points. But I think that was maybe the Saints, unfortunately, relaxing a bit too much. And unfortunately, it got away from them. Yeah, it did. It was a nice uh, nice way to end the game uh, behind the uh... A back shoulder throw to uh, to Dobbs in, uh, for for a touchdown. He had five catches, seventy three yards, and that one TD, which was the uh, the game winner. Kind of reminded me of the Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams connection. But yeah, big win for Green Bay. And it would have been a big one for the Saints. They would have been three and zero and sitting uh, alone in first place uh, in their division, but uh, not to be for them this week. Uh, all right, Dom, let's continue on. We still got uh, two and a half minutes before our next break. Let's go and talk about the Rams versus the Bengals Monday Night Football. Cincinnati takes it 19-16. Not a really big entertaining game, but some big news to kind of like highlight, which was Joe Burrow's health. He just did not look right to me whatsoever. And this is going to be a lingering issue for probably the next couple of weeks, for sure. You said last week, oh, am I panicking from the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, you know, the red light definitely came on after I saw uh, what I saw on Monday night. I was not impressed. I thought the Rams should have took that game. They honestly got robbed on a on their first touchdown, which ended up uh, being kind of like reverse. I thought that was, I thought it was Atwell's foot was in, but uh, they ended up reversing that, settling for a field goal. And it was downhill for the Rams the rest of the way. They would just never get the call their way. And what is Cincinnati doing? I mean, I, I think Mixon got eventually 19 carries, but they didn't look like there was 19 carries from Joe Mixon. If Cincinnati is going to protect Joe Burrow and be a lot more successful and, and not so one-dimensional, they're going to need to run Joe Mixon. I mean, yes, Jamar Chase is a great, fantastic right receiver, but you saw that T. Higgins got really cold in this game because it was too much of an obsession by just throwing the ball to Jamar Chase. Eventually, that becomes very predictable, and against a good defense, Cincinnati would have lost. The Rams, you know, they're, they're so, so on D, but an elite defense would have shut that down and Cincinnati would have definitely lost that game, in my opinion. And in order to help them out, they got to get Joe Mixon a lot more involved. Instead of passing the ball to set up the run, do the reverse, run the football to set up the pass. I know it's kind of kind of productive because Cincinnati's got a great talent in Joe Burrow, but he's just not healthy. I'm not buying it right now, Cincinnati. And I think that at the end of the day, the next couple of weeks, you might find yourself maybe one in four before week five is all said and done. I think they really made a conscious effort to get that ball specifically, bro, to Jamar Chase. And, you know, he had a, a quiet uh, start to the season and they were 0-2. And I think they just really, really wanted to get him going. And that was evident with 15 targets in this game, uh, 12 catches. But... <clears throat> Yeah, I was expecting a bit of more of a high-scoring game, A, and B, a better performance from both teams. I think there's a lot of sloppy play in this one. And, you know, right now, both teams sitting one and two and do have the firepower to make some noise, but it's just going to be, like we talked about, being consistent and being able to put together a full four quarters without making mistakes. So let's jump right into it. Week four picks. Here we go against the spread. A great Thursday night game today. Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. We got Detroit favored by one and a half in this one. I think this is a good spread. This is a tight spread. I'm going to go with the Lions to win this game and to cover. Winner of this game gets sole possession of that division. I know it's early on, but still, still an important game. I'm going to go with Lions win 27-24 in a close one against Green Bay. Yeah, this is going to be a really good football game. Thursday night football. I like the Lions as well, William. I think Gibbs is going to get a touchdown in this game. He's overdue. Give me the Lions 24-17. All right, next up, a 9.30 a.m. game, a game in London. Hopefully, uh, you know, people will get up early and have their tea. We got the Atlanta Falcons at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars favored by three in this one. 
I'm going to say this game goes to overtime, and I'm going to say the Jags win by exactly three points. Final score, 23-20 to 20 in this one, and Jacksonville is able to, to squeeze out the victory. They beat Atlanta by three. You read my mind. That's exactly <laughs> what I think is going to happen as well. I think Jacksonville has a decent game here, wins 2017. Desmond Ritter, unfortunately, this guy is god-awful. He probably had his worst game last week. I think we're going to see a quarterback change sooner than later in Atlanta. Okay, you heard it here first at the Power Hour. Next up, we got the Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers. Minnesota favored by four, Dom. This is a tough game. You know, when both teams are 0-3, you know they're going to show up for this one. You know, I want to call the upset, but I won't. I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think Young is going to come back and play in this football game, but that's not going to be enough. Minnesota gets out of this 0-3 debacle. They take it 28-23. to Well, I'm going to go a very similar score in this one. Minnesota wins 28-20, to and I just think that... Minnesota is too good of a team to fall to 0-4 and too good of a team to fall to 0-4 and lose to the Carolina Panthers. Not sure who's going to play in this one. Bryce Young missed uh, last week, and uh, we'll see if it's uh, it's going to be Bryce Young making his return. But either way, I got Minnesota winning this game. Next up, we got the battle of two crap teams, the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears, both sitting at 0-3. I think someone, I, I read a funny meme, they should flex this game to uh, Wednesday at 3 a.m. to make sure that nobody watches it. But uh Denver favored by three and a half in this one, Dom. You know, I want to take Denver so bad. I really do. I think uh, Sean Payton has the smarts to to win this football game. But for whatever reason, they're going to lose. Really? Chicago is going to find a way to win this football game. Give me Chicago in overtime. I'm going to say 28 to 22. Well, I can't do that, Dom. Den- what I what I saw, you know, this past weekend uh, from Denver wasn't good. But, you know, Chicago just, they haven't looked good from start to finish. And I'm going to go with Denver winning this game. It's probably going to be a lower scoring game, three and a half points. I say they cover the spread uh, and just ever so slightly. I'm going to go final score 19 to 14 in this one for the Denver Broncos. Next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. NFC South matchup. Saints favored by three in this one. Oof, this should be a good game. We'll see what's going to happen with Carr. We don't know if he's going to be playing in this game or what's going to transpire. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay winning this game in the upset. I got a funny feeling about this one. I think Baker Mayfield will bounce back. He did not look good in the Monday night game, but I just got a feeling about this one. I think that, you know, with everything on the line in this one, Baker wants to show that, you know, the first two weeks weren't a fluke. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay going out and actually coming away victorious in this one. I'm going to go final score 25-19 Tampa Bay. I think uh, the Saints are going to find Alvin Kamara coming back. And Alvin Kamara will lead the New Orleans Saints to a beautiful victory against Tampa Bay 24-17. to All right, next up, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. Pittsburgh favored by three. Uh, this is a weird one. I honestly think there's potentially an upset that's going to happen here. But you know what? I'm not going to do it. Pittsburgh's defense has been playing very good and against rookie quarterbacks, they tend to do well. So I'm taking Pittsburgh here in a close one, probably overtime, 27 to 24. Wow. Almost reading my mind. I'm going to go Pittsburgh 27, 26 in this game. They win the game, but they don't cover. They go out there, March and Kenny Pickett leads this team to a last second field goal as time expires. I think this could secretly be one of the better games of the week. I think that both teams are fairly evenly matched and it will be a tight one. Next up, AFC East matchup. Miami Dolphins 3-0, Buffalo Bills 2-1. We got the Bills favored by three in this one in Buffalo. You best believe there ain't no way I'm picking it against Miami, especially after what I saw this week. I think they're going to be a little bit slighted to feel uh, after how they play that they're still underdogs in this one. They haven't won in Buffalo in a while. They're due, and if it's going to happen, uh, eventually it's going to happen this year. Miami wins this game in a tight one. I'm going to go final score 30-27 to Dolphins. This has the potential to be the game of the week, but for whatever reason, I think Buffalo finally found themselves a running back in Cook, and they're doing it right in Buffalo. They can't change what they're doing. Keep on writing Cook. Buffalo will actually maintain the ball a lot more and will take this football game. Give me Buffalo 28-25. to Alrighty, next up we got the Los Angeles Rams at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts favored by one and a half. Tough game to call. I think we're going to see fireworks, William, in this football game. I think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns. And you know what? 
The Indianapolis Colts will shock the Rams. I know they're favored, but I just see that as an upset, especially yeah. if it's Garner Minshew, even if it's the rookie. Indianapolis at home. This seems to be something happening special in Indy. I'm taking them in a in a really high scoring game, 33 to 30. I would also see that as an upset, which is, you know, pretty crazy. So I'm going to go with the actual upset here and pick the Rams uh, in this one. I just feel like right now where the, the Rams are at, I know they had a poor performance, but I can see them getting back on track. Bukunukua having a touchdown or two in this game after a quiet performance. And look, it'll be cool to see Minshew do it again if he plays or Anthony Richardson to come back and get the victory. But no, I just think the Rams are the better overall team. And I think that they're able to, to uh, get the victory. I'm going to go final score 25-17 here for LA. Next up, Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Cincinnati favored by two and a half in this one. I'd say a very unimpressive start for both teams, but I think that Cincinnati is going to win this game, and I think it'll be uh, a little bit more of Joe Mixon than we're used to seeing. You know, we, you talked about wanting to see Joe Mixon more, and I think that we will potentially in this game. So I'm going to go final score. Cincinnati barely covers, and they win 24-21 Bengals. Yeah, this is a really difficult game to call. But I saw something last week that I was really not liking in Tennessee. And that's unfortunately Derrick Henry being a little slower because of a turf toe. And when you got a turf toe and you're that size, you know, you just can't run. So it's all about Mike Vrabel. You got to find a way to, to play Taji Spears and to protect Tannehill from making picks. But they just won't be able to do it against Cincinnati. Cincinnati takes it 27 to 20. All right, next up, we got the Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles favored by eight and a half. We got an NFC East matchup here. Wow, eight and a half is a lot of points. I'm going Philadelphia to win, but that's too many points to cover. I'm going to go, I expect this to be a close game throughout, and I think Washington will bounce back from their terrible performance uh, against the Buffalo Bills, only scoring three points, but I don't think it'll be enough for them to come away victorious. So I'm going to go final score 27-21 in this one for the Eagles. Yeah, this is a divisional game. There's no way that Washington can't stay with Philadelphia. I'm going to agree with you. Philadelphia just a little too strong right now against Washington. The Eagles take it. Hurts having a, probably a big game, 35-30. to 30. All right, next up, another divisional game. I like it. Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland's favored by two and a half. Yeah, you know what? This is going to be, even though they're favored, this makes no sense to me I'm whatsoever. Surprised. But Cleveland will find a way to win this football game. Their defense is very, very, very strong. And now people are going to think, oh, Baltimore is going to bounce back. They're going to have to wait a week. Cleveland, shocker, takes this football game 27-24. to 24. I am one of those people who believes Baltimore will bounce back in this one. I just think that they're too good of a team to find a way to lose back-to-back -back weeks against teams that they should beat. I'm going to go Baltimore 27 and 23 in this one. And Lamar Jackson runs for another two rushing touchdowns in this one. All right, next up, our four o'clock games, Las Vegas Raiders at Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers favored by five and a half. I don't want to think or talk about the Raiders much after what I saw and that field goal kick by McDaniels. I'm going to go Chargers win in a blowout, 33 to 10 final score. Yeah, another divisional game and the Chargers need to start running the football. I don't care if the Raiders are not that great, but they just won't cover the spread. The Chargers will win this football game in a close one, 24 to 20. All right, San Francisco 49ers are hosting the Arizona Cardinals. We got San Fran fever by 14. Yeah, this is a divisional game that will be a blowout. San Francisco is just too strong, and they will overpower Arizona. Give me San Francisco 28-10. to 10. I'm going to go closer game, 27-23 here for San Francisco. I think that, believe it or not, Arizona will be leading up until two minutes, and then uh, Brock Purdy will put the team on his back and mount a last-second drive and score a touchdown to George Kittle to seal the deal for the 49ers. Yeah, I said a close one here. Arizona puts up a fight. Next up, New England Patriots at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favored by six and a half. Yeah, New England kind of... We're shocking a bit of people winning that football game against the Jets. They're playing a little bit better, but you got to believe Dallas is going to come out for it's a lot of revenge on their mind, and they will eat New England for dinner. Give me Dallas 35-13. to 13. 
Well, I'm going to go. Uh, last time they played, I believe this game went to overtime. I got another overtime game here. Dallas does win, doesn't cover the spread. They win by 6, 23-17. Final score, Pollard runs it in overtime for the game-winning touchdown for the Cowboys. Sunday night football, we got the Kansas City Chiefs at the New York Jets. Kansas City favored by 9.5. I'm surprised it's not more points. We didn't really talk about the Jets-Patriots game, but if I'm the Jets, I'm done with Zach Wilson. Salah, look, I think it's great you're backing him up. And you're being a good guy, but there's no need to back him up anymore. He, we've seen enough from Zach Wilson. He should not be a quarterback in the NFL anymore. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Kansas City wins this game, and they win by a lot. I'm going to go final score, 35-13 to 13 in this one. Zach Wilson throws three picks. Yeah, the Jets organization is a sad state of affair. To bring in Trevor Simeon, seriously, that's going to be the new quarterback in, what, two weeks for the Jets? This is uh, the laughing stock of the NFL. And if I was a fan, I wouldn't even show up at this game. Give me Kansas City 24 to 3. All right, next up, last but not least, Monday Night Football. We got the Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. Giants favored in this one by one and a half. Not sure if people know something that we don't, but I'm liking Seattle in this game. They looked good against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they were able to put up, I believe it was uh, 37 points. Uh, and uh, and yeah, they, you know, statistically, yeah, with like 37 points this past weekend. Geno Smith looked good for the Seahawks, going 23 of 36, 296 yards. Metcalf having 112 receiving yards. I'm not sure why the Giants are favored in this one. I guess because they're at home, but no, give me Seattle in this one. I'm going to go final score 20. 27 to 13 here for the Seahawks. Now, this is a very interesting football game. Very tough to call. You know, I want to take the Giants and I'm going to reluctantly. I'm taking the Giants to win by one. Wow. Give me the Giants 21 to 20. All right, I like it. Upset special. All right, Dom, we have a few minutes left here on the show. A lot of uh, interesting things happen in week three. We have the 70-point game. We have upsets. Unfortunately, we have injuries. If you look at the standings now, maybe a little bit of uh, uh, surprises here. What are you looking forward to most in week four, Dom? You know, whether it's a, a matchup, players, teams bouncing back, or, or seeing if uh, if you know current teams can sustain the run they're on. There's a lot of storylines heading into uh, to week four, but what are you most looking forward to heading into this week? I'm looking at which 0-3 team is going to bounce back and start their comeback and becoming potentially relevant again in the season. And I'm looking at Denver versus Chicago. You know, I really think Denver should take that game. I really do. I know I picked Chicago. I think Denver has the capability to come back and be relevant in the NFL this year. Chicago, on the other hand, when you start criticizing your coaching staff, that's a hard area to come out from so but for denver you know sean payton has the talent he's got russell wilson he just needs to know moving forward who he's going with because right now on that football team there are a bunch of quitters we saw it last week once yeah. that's filtered out i think denver will emerge as being a wild card threat late in the season but does it start against chicago you know i picked against them i still even think denver at 0-4 can make the comeback so it's not going to be the end of the world for denver fans if you lose that game chicago on the other hand you know that just might be a oh a one-off and they'll be one and three and after that they'll they'll lose the next five games so that's what i'm looking for i'm hoping the denver broncos bounce back probably maybe this game and let's see what happens all right, Broncos fans, Domino Demeester still has faith, so keep that in mind. I'm going to go with what I think should and will be the game of the week, my Dolphins against the Buffalo Bills. Hey, Buffalo's favored in this one. You know, maybe rightfully so because they're at home and Miami just cannot seem to win in Buffalo. This becomes a massive, massive game. If you look at it, Buffalo goes and wins this game. They're going to be 3-1. and one. The Dolphins will be 3-1, and one, and they're going to have the tiebreak over Miami, so they'll be first in the division. If Miami could pull up the up, quote-unquote upset in this one, they'll be 4-0. Buffalo will be 2-2, two and two and they'll have at least a two-game lead against everybody else in the division and would already have the tiebreak over the Patriots and the Bills. So this becomes a massive, massive game for both teams. I would argue an even bigger game for Miami because of what they can do to extend their lead in the AFC East. They haven't won in Buffalo in a long time. And like I said, I think the time is now. Hopefully Tua and this team can get it done. Hopefully Watt will be back in this game because uh, I know that they're going to need him for this one. So that'll be a great game and a fun one to cover. All right, folks, thank you for tuning into this episode of the NFL Power Hour. Without you guys, there is no show. We say that every weekend. We definitely do mean it. We'll be back next week, same place, same time. You are listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal.